Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Rick Ferry. Rick, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Rick is a CFA, the CEO of Core 4 Investing, a 30-year finance industry veteran, a pioneer in low-fee investment advice, an author. He's been published in Forbes and the Wall Street Journal. He is also a retired Marine, having served 21 years on active duty and the reserves. Thank you for your service, sir. You are welcome. Very excited to have you on. If you would, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, my personal life is uh, I live outside of Austin, Texas, and uh, my wife and I are in a retirement community here, even though I'm not retired. Uh, we are close to some of our grandchildren. We have seven grandchildren, so nice. that's why we're here. I'm still working full-time, mostly writing right now, and in April, I'll be starting a hourly advisory firm where basically people will pay me by the hour for investment advice. And I won't be managing any money. I'm out of that industry. Uh, I'll just be providing hourly advice as needed. Got it. Fantastic. So you've been in the industry for for 30-plus years, and obviously it's changed quite a bit, but how how do you perceive it to be different from, from when you started to, to where it is today? I find the industry to be uh, more competitive on pricing. Uh, le- let me talk about the three levels of pricing. We have uh, commissions from brokerage firms when you're buying and selling stock, and in 1975, a uh, law was passed that made fixed commissions go away and so you could have competition amongst uh, brokers for commission. And that drove down the cost of commissions considerably. Around the same time, John Bogle was launching Vanguard's first index fund, uh, the S&P 500. And although it took many years before that caught on, what has happened in the last 10 years is that mutual fund costs have really been put in the spotlight. And there's been a lot of research showing that mutual fund costs drive a great amount of investor performance in the long run. So because of that, mutual fund costs have come way down to the point where Fidelity has launched a free index funds uh, as a kind of a gimmick, you know, loss leader to get people to go to Fidelity and use their other products or at least not leave Fidelity and go to Vanguard. So we've got two things that have driven down costs for investors considerably, commissions and investment fees through mutual funds. The last cost, which we're beginning to see some headway on, is advisor fees, how much people pay for advice. And sort of like the third leg of the cost. It's, I call it the last bastion of gluttony in the investment industry is advisor fees. And we're beginning to see that now start to come down with companies like Betterment, Wealthfront, and just uh, even some free uh, services that are offered through Schwab and Fidelity eventually uh, will offer free services. So 
the third leg of the stool is uh, advisor fees. And there are many more alternatives now than there were 20 years ago. So that's how things have changed, mostly from cost. Got it. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Do you see, um, I, I think when we hear about costs getting driven down, that's primarily positive. Do you see any negatives with things becoming, I don't, just free? Is, is, is there bad about that too? I don't think there is. I haven't come up with anything that's bad. Perhaps some people who would have gone into this industry maybe won't go into the industry now because they're seeing costs become de- depressed, but they don't really know that that's an issue. I mean, the people who are coming into the industry now and maybe doing a different model like XY planners or maybe hourly, uh, they're, those are different fee models, are figuring out you know, how to get the business done and are still making a living doing it. So I don't see negatives uh, because of driving costs down. I see only positives. And I'm sure there are some negatives out there, but there are more positives than negatives. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with that. And certainly we're really talking about investing and that's only a small piece of of financial planning or financial advisory. So, um, but the... So I, I, I guess what I'm curious about and the, the fact that Betterment and Wealthfront and a lot of these robo-advisors have grown so exponentially is probably evidence that when you do offer something at a low cost, it's not that people devalue it. In fact, they take advantage of it. So I think that, that probably answers my question. So I think that there's two things when you look at an advisor. What does the advisor do? Is the advisor being hired to manage an investment portfolio and is it basically for investments? You go to the advisor and you say, here's my situation, here's what I'm trying to do, here's the money I have, you know, what can you do for me? That type of advice, the investment side of it, the, the fees are coming down, and they should. Um, but the other side of that is, like you said, financial planning, estate planning, tax planning, insurance planning, when you should take Social Security, how to uh, cash in some stock options. I mean, all that other stuff that falls under personal finance, but not necessarily investing a portfolio, that those services uh, need also to be paid. You have to pay for those. The question is, how do you pay for them in the future? And this idea that you charge 1% and it includes everything is sometimes unfair to the investor and sometimes unfair to the advisor. It's unfair to the investor when you basically have a $500,000 client that you're charging 1% to and you're charging $5,000 to that client just to manage their portfolio and give them some incremental investment advice about that portfolio. And then you have a $2 million client who you also charge 1% to who you're just giving some incremental advice about that portfolio. So why should the $2 million client pay four times the fee? Or even if there's a little bit of a discount, call it three times the fee of the $500,000 client. I mean, why, do you, why does an advisor need to get paid fifteen dollars to $20,000 to do essentially the same thing? And you know, a lot of advisors would say, well, uh, we, we do comprehensive planning. 
and we do all these other things. And so therefore, you know, it costs more money. Well, you're doing the same thing for the $5,000, $500,000 client, and you're making money, I assume, doing it, or you wouldn't take that person on as a client. So again, why are you charging three times or four times the fee for the $2 million client? So I think what I believe is a more fair model is to separate the two. And you have the fee for managing the portfolio and doing the investment stuff, which might be a quarter of a percent. And that's what Betterment charges. Um, and then there's a fee for everything else, which might be more along the lines of a fee for service or an hourly fee, uh, or maybe even a retainer of some sort. And so you, you, you cut the fee in half and you charge separately for each one. And I think that's more of a fair way of doing things. Now we see some people going that direction, but it's slow. I think it'll pick up over the next few years. And it's probably pretty tough for large companies that have legacy fees or legacy costs just to change gears. So I think that that probably will just take a little bit of time. So yeah, there'll be a, a generational change, just like, you know, it, it took uh, Vanguard over 12 years before they got their first billion dollars in index funds. And now they've got $3 trillion in it. So, I mean, it took a while. And there had to be almost a generational shift. But I think that that is what is going to occur in in the advisor industry over the next 20 years. There will be this shift. And I think that advisors who are young would probably, if they're looking at uh, creating a, a new business model for the future, I think that they should not go the old legacy route of 1% for everything. I think they should look at two different fees. I think that's more fair. So, uh, so that's where I think things are going to go. I think that makes sense. So you're going to be launching your new endeavor in 2019 core four. Um, tell us a little bit about that and tell us a little bit about why it is that, that, that you've chosen to do it this way. Well, core four is a portfolio that I created about 10 years ago. Um, I participate on the bogleheads.org forum. I've been doing that for, well, even when it was over at Morningstar back in 2000, so probably 17 or 18 years now. We we ended up with our own forum about 10 or 12 years ago at bogleheads.org. But, you know, we were just talking on there about, you know, simple portfolios. You know, people who want to do it themselves, how to what kind of a portfolio makes sense? And I said, you know, a portfolio that has U.S. stocks, international stocks, real estate, which I consider a separate asset class to stocks and bonds, even though you have some REITs inside of a U.S. equity total market fund, but it's a very small amount relative to the amount of commercial real estate that's out there. And then a bond fund. So, you know, four different asset classes. And if you have a portfolio that's allocated to U.S. stocks, international stocks, a little bit in REITs, and then whatever position you need in bonds, a total bond market index fund, that that's a nice little easy to manage, easy to understand, easy to comprehend portfolio, U.S. stocks, international stocks, real estate, and bonds. Very simple. And I called it core four. And I created a post on Bogleheads I don't know, again, 10 years ago, 
about the core four and I talked about it and I showed some different models of how you would do it. And I just left it. And I said, if you want to use it, here it is, you know, go out, do the core four and, you know, it, it's yours to use. Uh, then I didn't think much about it until I started getting contacted by the media uh, asking me about the core four and different media outlets started writing about the core four. And all of a sudden the core four became very popular <laughs> and uh, people were using it and they were using it successfully and it, it made sense. So when I uh, sold my other company last year and I was looking for what am I going to do next? I went out and I licensed, uh, trademarked Core 4, and I created the website called basically C-O-R-E, Core-The-Number-4.com, and I created more Core 4 portfolios for people who needed income, for people who had an ESG, a social conscious bend. And I said, here, here's other Core 4 portfolios that you can use as well. But that that's what the website is. It's just free information. It's already up and running. So that's not really uh, my business. It's just an example of, of how to keep things simple. And my whole evolution as, a, as an investor has gone to simplicity. Uh, I went through, I call it four stages of uh, investor education, indexing education that I went through. And, uh, uh, the last step is simplicity, the last stage. And that is simply, you know, we don't need all these fancy things. We don't need 10, 15, 20 funds in a portfolio. You just need a few, a few good funds, just like a few good men in the Marine Corps. And uh, that that's all you need. It, it, and everything else is just kind of muddying the water. It just complicates things. You don't need it. So if you just have a small portfolio of a few funds, you keep the fees low, you rebalance it once in a while, maybe do some tax management once in a while. That's all you need to do. And you'll do better than 95% of all investors. And so here's some portfolios that you can use to do it, some examples. And then you can customize it from there. And that's all that core four is. Got it. Do you think that it's, do you think that complexity is partly to blame for the reason that people aren't maybe as successful with money or as successful investing or what, what do you point to? Well, let me give you the four stages of uh, investor education because I talked about them and I'm actually writing a book about it. It's not, I don't know when it's going to come out. I'm still working on it, but the first stage that people go through is called darkness. They invest in the dark basically just taking advice from friends, relatives, maybe a broker, but they're not questioning the advice. They look at those other people as knowing much more than they know, and they don't know what to do, so they buy the fund that a relative tells them to buy, or a broker tells them to buy, or a friend tells them to buy, or whatever. But, but they're not looking into it. They're not researching it. They're not really tracking it. If the market goes up, they might look at it and go, oh, I'm making money. That's great. They have no idea if they're outperforming or underperforming the markets. They have no idea of all the risks that they may be taking. So that's investing in darkness. The next step is what I call enlightenment. And that's when they actually take an interest in, in their portfolio, actually begin to look at what do I have? How am I doing? You know, what, what is this? 
and they begin to do some research and read some books. And if they're very lucky, they'll get to the point where they learn how to measure the performance of their investments and compare it to appropriate market benchmarks, not just any market bench benchmark, but appropriate ones. And when they do that, it'll eventually occur to them that they're underperforming, that their portfolio is underperforming the benchmarks. And if they're really astute, they'll realize that the way you can fix this is simply getting rid of whatever it is you have and buying the benchmark through an index fund. And that solves everything. And so the enlightened people say, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to forget about all of this trying to outperform. I'm going to forget about buying what other people are telling me to buy. I've learned that the markets outperform most investors and that I can buy the market using index funds. And if I just do that, I'll be better off. And so that's, that's enlightenment. But the next stage on that is called complexity, where now that you've been enlightened to go out and buy a few few index funds, you can get marred in uh, all kinds of complex things like factor investing and uh, using index funds to time the markets and uh, uh, a core and explore, a core and pay more, I call it, and all these things that make simple thing called indexing complicated again. And, and a lot of people who discover indexing and, and become enlightened just get bogged down in things like factor investing right. and, and all of this. And so the last stage is if you can get through all that and you might stay in that complexity area for a long time, maybe the rest of your life. But if you get through all of that, you come to the realization that, wait a minute, this is supposed to be simple. Why am I making it complicated? Right. I'm going to go out. I'm going to buy a few index funds. I'm going to sit on them. I'll rebalance them once in a while, maybe do a little tax management. I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to go on my way. And that's kind of getting back to the core four. That's, that's really what, what that is. Plus, there's other ways of doing it also. But, I mean, just simple, simplicity. Fewer funds, fewer accounts, you know, consolidate your IRAs, fewer custodians, Come up with this plan, make it simple, invest it, leave it alone, walk away from it. A few years later, come back and look at it, and you're going to be pleasantly surprised. That does better than 90-some-odd percent of anything else out there. I like and it. And that, that's the four stages of uh, you know, an index, the, the four educational stages of an index investor which is the book I said I'm working on. It's part of it. I like it. So it's darkness, enlightenment, complexity. And what's the uh, final stage? Simplicity. Simplicity. What we should all be striving for, sir. <clears throat> yeah, but it takes a long time to get there. Yeah. And, and a lot of people never get there. And one of the reasons they don't, by the way, is because Wall Street doesn't want you to. Mm-mm. I mean, if, any, if everybody just went out and bought uh, total stock market, total bond market, you know, and uh, maybe a laddered CD portfolio for the bond side, and that's it. And that's all you did. And let's say you bought these new Fidelity no-fee no funds. <laughs> that's all you did. Um, well, you have no cost, and, and, and Wall Street doesn't make a dime. I mean, nobody, they don't want that. So, you know, it, it's all about 
oh, we have this newfangled way of doing it, or you know, we have this market timing, or you got to hire an advisor, and the advisor is going to give you extra special uh, returns because they have access to maybe some fund companies that you don't have access to, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. It's complicated up, mucking it up so that they can collect more fees from you. You do not get a higher return. Any excess return that might come from the factors or from whatever is done does not go to you. It goes to the advisors. It goes to the fund companies. It does not go to the investors. So, you know, that's why do it. And, at, and when you hit simplicity, you don't do it anymore. You're out of all that. Well, Rick, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? You don't need to be complicated in what you're doing. Investing is not hard. It's not difficult. Keep it simple. Follow the plan. Stay disciplined. And you'll be better off than 95% of everyone else. I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. And Rick, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, uh, rickferry.com is my business website, which is soon to be converted to an advisor website. So my advisor information will go up there in April. You can also learn about me at core-the-number-four.com, which is my Core 4 website, and all the information there is free. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Rick your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, Rick. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.